0: All God's people said, amen. What an incredible worship time this morning. Kevin, this is when I'm supposed to be here, right? Okay, all right. All right. You know, they really do send me uh, every week uh, information about what takes place in the worship service. And I really did look at that, Kevin. I just, uh, I guess I'm going to have to look at it a little more closely next time. It's great to be with you this morning, and what a wonderful wonderful worship time all right i want to begin the message this morning with a statement I, I want you to write it down i didn't i didn't put it in the message guide this morning because this is one of those that if you if you write things down i want you to write down every single word i don't want to give you any help with it this morning okay so i'm going to give it to you in just a minute i'm going to begin the message with it And then I'm going to end the message with the very same statement. In other words, we're going to build sort of a theological sandwich this morning, okay? I'm going to give you a piece of bread on the front end, and I'm going to give you a a piece of bread on the back end, and in the middle, we're going to be looking at some of the real meat of the Christian life the real meat of the Christian life. All right, are you ready? Here's the statement. I'll say it for you several times so that you have time to write it down. One of the surest measurements of my Christian maturity, one of the surest measurements of my Christian maturity is what it takes To rob me of my joy. I'm going to say it again. One of the surest measurements of my Christian maturity is what it takes to rob me of my joy. One of the surest measurements of your Christian maturity is what it takes to rob you of your joy. One of the clearest indications of my spiritual maturity is what it takes to steal my joy. Church, one of the unmistakable marks of authentic Christianity, one of the most indicative proofs that I've got the real thing is the difference. That Jesus Christ makes in my life when I come up against the hard, the difficult, the sometimes painful circumstances and situations of life. That is why one of the surest measurements of my Christian maturity is what it takes to rob me of my joy. Now, Can I tell you something this morning and you receive it in in the spirit that I'm giving it. And it is a spirit of love. It is a spirit of togetherness. I hope you will receive this in that spirit. If you get all upset and discouraged when something doesn't turn out the way you want it to turn out, if you're always getting bitter and angry when something doesn't go your way, if there's a spirit of discouragement that comes over you that leads to frustration and negativity when decisions are made that maybe you don't agree with, if you get all cranky and crotchety, because someone didn't meet your every need or live up to your fullest expectations, if you blow up under pressure, if you snarl back at those people you believe have done you wrong, then my friend, you are absolutely no different from the believers out there right now who are living their lives with absolutely no thought of Christ and no desire to follow Him whatsoever. And the same is true of me. You see, when our Christianity is reduced to the same old stuff that everybody else is saying and everybody else is doing, even if we say it and do it with with a rather pious accent and attitude when we're doing the same things that everybody else is doing, when we act and react the same way everybody else acts and reacts, then our Christianity no longer has any appeal whatsoever. It has no appeal out there in the world, and it has no appeal here in the church. And I'll tell you, and you know it, people don't hang around. And neither does the Spirit of God. And that is why it is so refreshing to be around someone who is cheerful, someone who is optimistic, Someone who is confident in Christ. Someone who is undiscouraged by his or her circumstances. Someone who has the joy of the Lord on the inside. No matter what's going on on the outside. Someone who still believes with all of their heart That God is able to work all things out together for our ultimate good and his ultimate glory. I got to tell you, when I come across somebody like that, man, it is like the windows of heaven have opened. And it is like the breezes of the Holy Spirit have begun to blow because people like that are the source of incredible Encouragement. I mean, there is an energy and there is an expectancy that comes from just being around folk like that. And do you know, do you know that that is how every single one of us who claims to be a follower of the risen Christ should be living our lives every single day. And that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is telling us here in the book of Philippians. We're we're continuing this series of messages entitled, Life Doesn't Have to be Perfect to be Wonderful. And that's true. Your life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. My life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Your marriage doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Parents, your kids don't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Kids, your parents don't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And members of Taylor's First Baptist Church, can I say to you this morning, your church doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. Did you know that? In fact, if you're looking for perfection in these areas or in any other area of your life, we said this last week, you are in for a long wait. And you're going to become discouraged. And you're going to develop a critical and a negative spirit. And you're going to live your life griping and complaining. And life is not going to be wonderful for you for very long. Last week, we looked at the fact that The people in your life don't have to be perfect for your life to be wonderful. Today, we're going to focus on the fact that our circumstances in life don't have to be perfect for life to be wonderful. Now, I normally don't get my theology from a country song, That is a very dangerous thing to do, although I think a lot of people might do it. But there is a song that Lynn Anderson sang that became very popular, and the lyrics go like this. I beg your pardon, I never promised you a rose garden. Along with the sunshine, there's going to be a little rain sometime. If you take, you got to give. So give and let's live or else just let go. Whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) I beg your pardon. I never promised you a rose garden. Sometimes... I think the Holy Spirit ought to take that song and kind of baptize it, spiritualize it for us. And I just think sometimes we need to hear, I beg your pardon, God never promised you a rose garden. He never promised me a rose garden. He never promised me that things are always going to turn out the way I want them to. He never promised me that I was always going to get my way. He never promised me that people wouldn't hurt me and disappoint me. He never promised me that I wouldn't struggle with difficult circumstances. They are part of life. What makes the difference is how I deal with them. The Apostle Paul in the four years leading up to writing this letter to the Philippians, was in the most miserable of circumstances. Many Bible scholars believe he had spent two years in prison in Caesarea because of false charges that had been made against him. Then he had been put on a ship again as a prisoner to be taken to Rome where he would appear before Caesar, uh, Caesar, possibly Nero Caesar, who was not exactly known for the kindness he demonstrated toward Christians. On the way to Rome, you may remember that Paul was shipwrecked and cast up on an island where he was bitten by a poisonous snake. He had to spend the winter on that island. Then he was finally put on another ship, finally got to Rome, where he spent another two years in prison, awaiting trial to see whether or not he was going to be put to death. During those two years in prison, he was chained to a Roman soldier, 24 hours a day. He had no privacy. He'd been cut off from his friends. He'd been cut off from his ministry. And yet he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, look at it there, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. What in the world was Paul's secret? How could he remain so positive in prison? How could he triumph over his troubles? How could he actually delight in his difficulties and remain joyful in spite of the fact that nothing had turned out the way he had planned it? Well, in our text for today, I want you to see some biblical guidelines, some clear Biblical guidelines for dealing with the difficult circumstances in my life, the difficult circumstances in your life. Now, we're not going to finish this message this morning. In fact, I'm probably not going to get much past point one here this morning, but we're going to spend some time here. What are these biblical guidelines? What are these principles? What are these precepts that the Word of God gives us so clearly that enables us to experience the reality of a wonderful life even when my circumstances aren't so wonderful? Well, here's the first one. The Word of God tells me that if my life is going to be wonderful even when my circumstances aren't, I need a perspective to live from. I need a perspective to live from. Look with me here at Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. Before we read the verse, let me just say this. A lot of people approach life with an attitude that says, you know, if I could just change my situation in life, things would be great. If I could just change my circumstances in life and get rid of my problems, then then life would be wonderful. Well, I hate to burst your bubble this morning, but that's not going to happen. Can I tell you a secret? There is no such thing as a problem-free life. There is no such thing as a problem-free life. We all have our problems And our struggles, and in that way, we are all alike. What makes the difference is my problems are never as important as the way I look at my problems. Do you hear that? My problems are never as important as the way I look at my problems. The way I view my problems, the way I view my difficult circumstances is far more important than the problem itself. It is my perspective on my problem that makes the difference. Now look at verse 12. Paul says, here he is sitting in a prison cell. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. What a statement. This is perspective. Because when Paul wrote these words, he had been and he still was in the worst of circumstances. He was sitting in this prison cell. He could have said, You know, what has happened to me has really messed up my plans. What has happened to me has really messed up my life. What has happened to me has really gotten me discouraged. It's made me angry and bitter. He could have said that. A lot of us have said that or something similar but Paul said I can see the best even in the worst of circumstances I can see God doing something unique I can see God doing something special I can see God doing something significant even when my life is full of pain and problems in fact Paul saw his problems as the very means that God would use to do something he would not do any other way and we need to grasp we need to grasp this Paul saw his problems as opportunities for God to do something that God chose He would not do any other way. The word that you see here in verse 12, the word translated advance, what has happened to me, Paul said, has really served to advance the gospel. That word advance was a Greek military term. It originally referred to... Army engineers. Army engineers who were sent out ahead of the combat troops to remove enemy obstacles and to clear roads so that the soldiers could move in and take new territory. Now if you understand that, you understand that Paul is saying I want you to know that my difficult circumstances are actually God's engineers. The problems in my life are actually things that God wants to use to clear obstacles and open up new roads so that He can take new territory so that he can do some things that he wants to do. Are you hearing this? What is it that God was wanting to do? Well, let's look. First of all, and Paul's already said it in verse 12, Paul saw his circumstances his difficult circumstances as an opportunity God would use to advance the gospel. Now, the details of that are given to us here in verse 13. Look at those verses with me. As a result, as a result of what? As a result of all that Paul had been through, as a result of the fact that he was now sitting in a prison cell, as a result of his difficult circumstances, Paul says, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Now, Paul had always wanted to go to Rome. It was the capital of the world. It was the strategic center of that day. He had always wanted to go to Rome and preach the gospel there. Instead, God put him in prison. During that time, as I shared a minute ago, he was chained to a Roman soldier who was part of a select group of soldiers known as the palace guard. That's the way the New International Version translates it. Some other translations you may see the imperial guard or the praetorian guard. Let me tell you about these guys. These were not ordinary soldiers. These were the elite crack troops of the Roman Empire. They were specifically chosen by Caesar to be, out of all of the troops, to be his personal bodyguards. They were the highest paid people in Rome. And when they retired after 12 years of this special service to Caesar, they were given positions of great power and influence throughout the Roman Empire. Now, if you understand that, I want you to try to get this picture in your mind, okay? Get this picture. God puts Paul in a Roman prison. Caesar pays the bills he pays the bills and he has paul locked up chained to a future leader of rome paul was chained to these guys 24 hours a day with shifts rotating historians tell us every 4 hours Now think about this, in two years, at four hour shifts, Paul would have had an opportunity to witness to these guys 4,380 times. They didn't have a chance. They didn't have a chance. Can you imagine being chained to the apostle Paul? What do you think he was going to talk about? He was going to talk about Christ. There is no doubt many of these elite soldiers became believers and then went on to spread the gospel throughout the Roman Empire in the strategic places they were sent. Not only that, because these elite troops had inner access to Caesar's palace, some of the emperor's own family members became believers. We know that because early church historians tell us that Nero had his wife and his mother and some of his own children killed because they became Christians. You see, Paul Paul could have looked at his circumstances and said, you know, if, if only my circumstances were different, if only things had gone the way I wanted them to go, if only I wasn't in prison, then I could have preached throughout Rome and I could have had a great ministry. that didn't happen. He was in prison. And yet Paul had the perspective that was able to say, God is using my difficult circumstances to give the gospel inroads into places it may have never otherwise gone. I want you to know, brothers, what has happened to me has served to advance the gospel. How about you? how do you look at the difficult circumstances in your life? Are you asking God, why didn't things go the way I wanted them to go? God, why am I having to deal with this disappointment, this hurt, this struggle, this problem? Is that what you're asking? Or are you willing this morning to change your perspective on your problem and ask, God, what can you do through these difficult circumstances? How can you use what I am going through to make inroads for the gospel into places and into people's lives where it might not otherwise penetrate? God, how can you take my problems and make them your engineers to remove barriers and obstacles and open new roads into the hearts and the lives of people who desperately need to know the Christ that I know? Listen to me. It is a mark of spiritual maturity When you can move past the why question, and let me say it's okay to ask why. It's not going to knock God off his throne for you to say why. But it is a mark of spiritual maturity. At some point, my friend, you need to move past the why question and you need to begin asking the what and the how of God's purposes in your difficult circumstances. Paul saw his difficult circumstances. He saw his problems as an opportunity to advance the gospel. And so should you, and so should I. We should look at every hard thing, every problem, every hurt, every struggle that we go through, and we should ask God, what do you want to do through this? How do you want to use my problems as your engineers to advance the cause of Christ and the gospel? You see, this is what it means to have a kingdom vision and not a me vision. We're talking about the kingdom. It's perspective. But Paul not only saw his circumstances as an opportunity to advance the gospel, secondly, Paul saw his, op- his circumstances, his difficult circumstances, as an opportunity to encourage other believers. Look at verse 14. Again, Paul could have said, woe is me. My circumstances are miserable. My life is miserable. But no, instead, he said, I want you to know that because of what I've been through, most of the brothers, watch this, having become Confident in the Lord because of my problem. Confident in the Lord because of my difficult circumstances. Confident in the Lord because of my imprisonment. I want you to know they are now much more bold to speak the word of God without fear. Paul could have said, Lord, this isn't what I was counting on. This has messed me up. It's messed my plans up. It's messed my life up. Instead, he looked at his problems and he saw in them a tremendous opportunity that God wanted to use to encourage other believers. And because Paul faced his problems with courage, other people became courageous. Because Paul was bold Other people became bold. As the believers around Paul saw how he handled his circumstances, his strength became their strength. His attitude just found its way into their attitudes. How about you? How about me? Listen. The way you handle your struggles. The way you act and react to your problems. The way you respond when people hurt you or disappoint you. The testimony that you give when things don't go your way. Do you realize that other brothers and sisters in Christ are watching you. They are listening to you. And you can either encourage them toward joy in their struggle. You can encourage them toward victory and Christ-likeness. Or my friend, you can lead them down a path of frustration and negativity and bitterness and defeat. It is all in your perspective. God wants to use that problem in your life and the way you deal with it to encourage other believers. Ultimately, church, when we lose our joy, when we fall into defeat and despair and negativity, Ultimately, a loss of joy in the life of a believer ultimately is traced back to sin. It is traced back to dissatisfaction. It is traced back to a lack of trust. It is traced back to bitterness, negativity. And the only way to restore that joy, my friend, is to repent and return to the proper worship of God and right obedience to God. That will give you a proper perspective to live from. See, the perspective Paul had and the perspective you and I must have as followers of Christ, if we're going to be able to experience the reality that life can be wonderful even when our circumstances aren't, We've got to have this kind of perspective. So here is the lesson we all must learn this morning. God has a heavenly purpose behind every one of my earthly problems. God has a heavenly purpose behind every one of my earthly problems. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the troubles and the challenges and the hurts and the pain and the problems you face can be custom touched by God to accomplish His eternal purposes? Do you believe that? Paul could say, I rejoice. And yes, I will continue to rejoice. Not because he found joy in his difficult circumstances, but because he knew and believed that God was going to do something through those difficult circumstances to advance the gospel and to encourage other believers. So I'm going to go back to where I began this morning and say to you again, one of the surest measurements of your Christian maturity is what it takes to rob you of your joy if you want to hold on to that joy this morning, my friend, if you want to experience the reality that life can still be wonderful even if your circumstances aren't, it starts with this perspective to live from. Let me tell you, that was the very perspective of Christ. If you go to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, We're admonished, we are encouraged, we are commanded to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Listen to this, who for the joy set before him (laughs) endured the cross, despising its shame. That verse does not say Jesus enjoyed the cross. It says he endured the cross. You're you're not going to enjoy your difficult circumstances. Scripture never says you ought to enjoy the tough times, the hard times, the painful times. But like Jesus, you can see beyond the problem. You can see beyond the pain to God's eternal purpose. And that ought to give you joy who for the joy that was set before him. Jesus had joy, not because of the cross, but because of what he knew God was going to do through the cross to draw all men and all nations into himself. And that is what he wants to do in your life and in my life. And that is what it means to have kingdom perspective. I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. I don't know what you're walking through. I don't know what difficult circumstance or problem you're facing. But life can still be wonderful. Life can still be wonderful. Even if your circumstances aren't. But it takes a perspective. takes a kingdom vision. takes getting your eyes off yourself, focused on the Lord and His purposes. And you let Him take those difficult circumstances. Let them be His engineers to do amazing things in you and with you and through you for His glory. Heavenly Father, I thank you this morning for this time. Thank you for your word. You call us, as you always do, to look at life and the things of life very, very differently for the world out there it would be radically the father remind this is this is just this is just normal christianity this is this is what it means to follow christ this is what it means to trust him this is what it means to believe that your word is true and that I'm going to order my life by its principles and, my, and its precepts, even if it is counterintuitive to everything that the world says. Even if I am swimming totally upstream against the contemporary mindset of our age. God, forgive us when we do the same things and when we say the same things. When we act and react in the same way that that unbelieving world out there does. God, bring us back to understand what it means to be your people, to live countercultural, to put Christ first in everything, and to always ask, Lord, the how and the what questions as we walk through this journey of life. Lord, this morning, if your people need to respond, if there is someone here today who at the point of this message needs to gain a new perspective on that problem, oh, Lord, I pray today that you would do a work in that person's life. I pray you do that work in my life. If there's someone here today who doesn't know Jesus as personal Lord and Savior, oh, God, today again, would you draw that person to yourself? In just a moment, as we stand and sing, God, would you... Would you so touch that person's heart that he or she would be willing in just a moment to step out from where they are, walk down to the front of this altar, take my hand and just say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to get in on this kind of life where I can rejoice in the Lord always, no matter the difficult people in my life, no matter the difficult circumstances in my life. So Lord, use this time now to accomplish your good purposes and your perfect will is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you join me in standing, please?